Well, hello everyone, welcome to the uh, show today. We've got another deep dive for you today. We're going on the Seahawks today uh, in the NFC Sign team, obviously, they're always in and around the playoffs, uh, always seem to be pushing through a very interesting uh, team to talk about. Um, to talk about today, we have Shona Duffy, um, who's a writer for the 99 Yards, uh, co host of uh, the Gridiron and Wine podcast, and uh, broadcast journalist for the traditional 106 radio station. So, a very, very busy person. So, we're very happy to <laughs> time out to come and talk to us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you getting on? Yeah, really well, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, great to have you on, and, and great to be talking about the uh, the Seahawks. Um, but before we do talk about them, just out of I like asking people about this because always there's usually an interesting story behind it. Um, why did you get into football, and and why did you choose the Seahawks as your team? I was quite late getting into NFL. Like, I, I mean, I was really like the sport like when I was little because of like Ace Ventura and the whole Aces <laughs> out in Ray Finkel and then I got into it properly when I um when I was a bit older so the first Super Bowl I ever watched was the was the Brother Bowl which was obviously Harbaugh v Harbaugh yes. um and then I didn't choose any of those teams <laughs> I wanted the Ravens <laughs> to win at the time and then okay. um that year I but flew to Seattle and because I did a three month trip in the States. So oh, I was awesome. I did coast to coast and I arrived in Seattle like a couple of months after they won had just won the Super Bowl. So it was like flags were everywhere. Everywhere was still like celebrating the fact that they had just become like the Super Bowl champions for the first time. So I kind of just got sucked in from there and I've been following yeah. them ever since. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously um, sounds like an awesome trip, and I don't blame you whatsoever. I think you know when when you're in a place, and and especially winning the Super Bowl for you know the first time, and and the pandemonium must just be amazing. I mean, you've got Philadelphia, we've obviously had that recently. Kansas City had won it before, but it hadn't been for what was it fifty years or something. So um, it, it must be easy to get swept up in that. Um, so obviously, been supporting them for for a good few years now and obviously it's been generally um a good time you know generally a, a successful team um they went uh, 11 and 5 last year uh second mm-hmm. in the nfc west and had, had some real signature wins as well you know um one one that comes to mind is obviously um being the snot out of the 49ers um 43 16 obviously nice because it's a rivalry but also you know nice because um it was in their house too so you know <laughs> yeah absolutely you know it's just amazing stuff isn't it and and obviously like i said you know getting into the playoffs and um they're always in and around so they haven't been to super Bowl for a few years but obviously there's teams that don't sniff the playoffs for, for decades so it's yeah. nice to be in and around that um how would you sum up last season how do you think it went for the team i thought um it went better than a lot of people thought it would. A lot of people had the Seahawks again picking first. I don't know where they keep getting this idea from that the Seahawks are going to tank so hard that they're going to end up being like the number one pick. Um, and I thought it, I thought it was going really well. Obviously, we had that little rough period when we lost to the Cardinals, and I feel like because we lost that game, um, I feel like we did lose that little bit of momentum because I do think we could have easily taken the NFC West. Um, and that may have given us a slightly easier uh, playoff run. But on the whole, I was quite happy with how it went. Again, it's disappointing to lose to Green Bay in the playoffs at that round. We seem to be sticking at that round at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> we don't yeah. seem to get any further than divisional. Um, so 
hopefully this season, I think what they've done for this season is they're going, they're going for the jugular. Basically they've, they've, they've done big trades. They're, they're basically going for it. I think that's, that's the kind of message I'm getting out of the Seahawks camp at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when we were uh, with previous guests, I've been analysing the Jamal Adams trade. And obviously, I'll, I'll talk to you about that because obviously very relevant. But I, I, that's the impression I got from them. that it, It's not all or nothing because obviously Russell Wilson, who's just so incredible, exactly. multiple years left. But like you said, it's very much kind of for this, for this Seahawks team or this sort of generation. It feels like it's, it's this year um, or nothing, really, because... I think the Jamal Adams trade was, was obviously huge and throwing loads of resources into that. But also, they've been taking on a lot of veteran players, which generally mm-hmm. the Seahawks may be gun for a little bit more youth. And But, they, you know, you've taken on Greg Olson and um, Bruce Irvin, who are good players and can contribute. So it's not like it's um, for the sake of it, but, it, it, you know, it's interesting to see that maybe slightly more veteran presence starting to come in. Um, is there any one particular free agency that's arrived or left that, that you're either really disappointed they've left or really excited that they, you know, arrived? I, well, the, the clowny thing's still kind of like up in the air as to where yeah. he's actually going to go. Um, I know yesterday we created some roster spots. We got rid of, uh, let go of a couple of players. Um, so... I would love to see him back in Seattle. I thought he was amazing last season. Like he wasn't he wasn't at his all-time best like that we've seen him play before, but I feel like if he like stayed he in the team that you know he's used to, I feel like he could get back to that level. I was actually sad within the trade though that Bradley McDougal went to the Jets. I mean, I understand why we did it, but I really liked him as a player. He like bled blue for me. I I, I thought he was great. So I was kind of sad to see him move on. Oh, and I can't. And DJ Fluker, I really sad he went. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm the only Seahawks. Well, no, I think a lot of Seahawks fans liked him, but I really liked him, and I thought he was such a nice guy. And you know, Russell still needs some protection on that whole line. I thought he did quite a good job for what he was asked to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been one of the few banes of the Seahawks who, who as as we've said, have been a you know a good team for for years now. It seems the offensive line's the one thing they can't quite get right. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. I mean. Russell's hit a lot and he's a guy who can escape pretty much anyone so if he's yeah you know, <laughs> he can do that and but he still gets hit you know you know it's uh you know it's not brilliant um do you have any just going back to the Jamal Adams trade um what were your initial thoughts when it happened how do you feel <laughs> now after like you know seeing it for a little while and do you have any concerns that he's not actually signed a new contract does that concern you at all not not really because I feel like like I said, mentioned before, I feel like the, the makeup that they're going for is they're kind of like going for it. And I think that the Seahawks, I'm a huge fan of our GM. I've always never understood why he never wins GM of the year. I, I call him like the wizard of the NFL because the stuff he pulls out of the bag is just crazy sometimes. Um, and I think like the makeup of the team he creates like you know the John Schneider creates I think he could get the deal done eventually initially when I saw the the trade I was a bit like wow the Jets have like got a big deal out of this they've got the better end of the stick but then I looked back at all our first round picks (laughs) the past few years I'm thinking maybe not maybe (laughs) it's not as bad as I think and I think Jamal Adams is a great player I think he I think the way it's going to work um there, there's echoes of the Legion of Boom, but they're going to have to come up with a new nickname because there's only one Legion of Boom. 
Um, he's there's been comparisons with him and Cam Chancellor, but to me, there's only only every one Cam Chancellor. But if you can echo some of his stuff, then yeah, I think he's going to be great for us. Yeah, like you said, it's always good to make your own identity. One, so you're not compared as much, but secondly, because I mean that's a ludicrously high standard. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like um, it's like Jarrett Stidham. Obviously, Cam Newton's now in New England, but it's when he looked like the heir apparent. It's like right now you can go and be Tom Brady. Um, yeah. you know, unfortunate, really. <laughs> Um, I mean, you're right about your GM. I mean, it's incredible that he hasn't won GM of the year uh, just over time, as you say, but especially in those couple of years where he basically recruited your Super Bowl team between rounds three and six. Um, yeah, which is exactly. insane when you look at the players um, that, that you picked up. Um, do you think, just, just a last sort of thought on free agency, do you think Jadavon Clowney will end up with the Seahawks? Because obviously you could do with a pass rusher, but... At the same time, obviously, it comes down to money and things like that in the end. Yeah, um, I don't know is the answer because it's been. I feel like if he was going to come back, he would come back. He would have came back already. Um, I know that we're looking at Griffin as well, so that's another possibility. Um, he wants a lot of money. This is the issue, and there's not a lot of teams that can pay him that amount of money. So he's kind of like put himself in a wee corner. Um, I think there's only a few teams that can actually offer him the money that he wants. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, like you said, he has he has somewhat backed himself into a corner. Um, and and obviously, you know, it, it depends. He is unfortunate that he's he's played at such a high level and never got the contract because Houston refused to pay him. And now he's bounced around the league a little bit. Um, but be interesting if he ends up maybe sitting out the year, especially with people opting out anyway because of coronavirus or whether he takes a low contract and sort of bets on himself kind of like cam newton's done he you know, mm-hmm. new england obviously it's seven million max but realistically it's three to five million a year which is obviously ridiculous for cam newton but he's just betting on himself that he'll have an amazing year and obviously go on from there um moving on to your uh, draft picks um obviously i had had a roughly um average league amount of picks this year and spread around the different positions you know a couple of tight ends but we had a couple of defensive ends running back wide receiver guard inside linebacker so there's a good spread of players um is there any picks that particularly stand out for you in that list uh, i really like the damian lewis pick in the third round and um, obviously he was at lsu so he, they had an amazing incredible season last year um I just like DJ Dallas's name. That's a really cool name. I don't know enough about Jordan Brooks. Like when I when he was picked, I was kind of like, oh, here we go. I have no idea who this guy is. But then I said the same about Rashad Penny, and I feel like he's really coming to his own right before his injury struck last season. That was really unfortunate for him. I'm a big champion of him now, and a lot of people are still kind of like, why have you picked Rashad Penny? Like I feel like he's very much coming to his own so it'll be interesting to see if Jordan Brooks can do that sort of like level as well I still want LJ Collier to do some like to come into his own a little bit more too because obviously we haven't seen what he's capable of he was our first uh, round pick last year so yeah I think it's a, it was a good enough draft class you know the Seahawks never go for the big names they never go for that name that everyone's expecting them to pick or that like or the other teams go for but they they manage to build these guys into the system that they're creating and that's what I like I love about the Seahawks is you know John and Pete have this message and have this drive and they manage to 
you know, select players and fit them into their mold a little bit. I think that's the way they've always worked. And it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they do with these, this group as well. And that system's been paying off because obviously, um, as you said, um, they, they found these diamonds in the rough throughout, you know, the last sort of 10 years. So there's no reason to doubt these players. And the system obviously works because, um, you know, it's pretty much been 10 plus wins for, you know, eight, 10 years. I know there's been the odd season where it's dipped a little bit, but it's, it's pretty yeah. much 10 plus wins throughout. And there are, there's what, two or three NFL teams that can say the same, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think the Seahawks fans have this little like notion now that you know if we don't go further than the divisional round, it's 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 rubbish. And I'm like, we well, need to remember like the years. I mean, I wasn't even a fan, but I look back, I'm thinking, God, I can't even imagine what the years would have been like before Pete Carroll came in, and we weren't getting these ten plus years, so ten plus wins a, a year. So it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I got into the NFL about. 2003, four, something like that, and and obviously, actually, at the time Seattle went bad, and they got to a Super Bowl soon after. Um, but obviously, previous to that, and after that, I remember I, I was playing American football um, in England, and I think it was about 2009, 2010. And I remember talking the, the whole kind of team. The butt of the joke was Seattle. I, I remember <laughs> one of the players um, supported them, and it was like. It's like the Browns now or Detroit, you know, there's one of those teams that's in the butt of the jokes. And, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's only 10, 11 years ago and people have very short memories of what yeah. it used to be like. Um, speaking of fans, um, do you think it will make a big difference this year? Potentially, obviously, we don't know long term what's going to happen, but potentially not having fans in the stadiums because... Obviously, Seattle does have a huge home advantage, um, which is a great thing. Obviously, it's Century Link, but obviously they're a very good team with a very good system, as you've already mentioned. So, do you think have not having those fans will obviously make a tiny difference? But do you think it's quite a small difference, or do you think it could be quite substantial? I think I think it could be said for any team, though. Like because um, when I was I went to the states uh, last November, and I went to two two NFL games. I went to the Detroit Lions against the Cowboys and I went to Seahawks v Vikings. Oh. And yeah, Century CenturyLink was amazing. Like people are not kidding when they say that the noise in there could cause an earth another earthquake like they did with the beast mode because it's insane. But then I thought Detroit were just as loud. Like it's so it's just well not just as loud, but they were creating an atmosphere in their stadium and I think it could be said for any team. Um I think you just got. I think what the teams will just have to do, and what the players will just have to do, is just feed off their own energy, feed off in what they believe in and how they how they work. Because I think um, once you get used to not having that crowd noise around, I think it'll just be like any other game. Yeah, yeah. I think you make a great point actually, because I mean, two points. Firstly, I, I think about self motivation. Obviously, that could play into the Seahawks' hands because Pete Carroll is of all the coaches, a great motivator. So, you know, that yeah. might actually really paint hands. And also, I, I went to see um, New England, because I'm a Patriots fan, I went to New England in Gillette uh, in this uh, 2014 season. It's a while ago now. But obviously, the Patriots fans have been very spoiled, and you could certainly um, <laughs> accuse them of being, you know, fair-weather fans and not being the most passionate. Obviously, the some that support them since the 60s or whatever, you know, and they've been through mm-hmm. the rough days. Um but even there, it was really loud, and it was it was week three against Oakland, so it wasn't a divisional game in New England. And so, you know, you you make a great point. Actually, it's pretty 
blim and loud everywhere <laughs> you know the, the seahawks have that extra level but you could argue it's it's pretty loud everywhere so everyone's gonna as you as you say miss that um just looking at the um uh, schedule for the seahawks um it it, it really looks like a, a a season of two halves it looks like a really difficult first half and then mm -hmm. a really manageable second half. So uh, um, I'll just run through the teams and then get your, your opinion on it. So start of the season, we've got the Falcons, the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, um, the Vikings, the Cardinals, the, uh, sorry, the 49ers and the Bills. And obviously, the only teams that there don't look like potentially division winners are still surging teams. Also, the Cardinals and Dolphins look like they're really exciting and got a lot better off the offseason. And the Patriots, Falcons, Cowboys, Vikings, Bills and 49ers could all win their division. But then in the second half, um, you've got the, the Rams and Cardinals again. The Eagles, who could win their division, but, the, you know, it's very up and down the MC East. The Giants, the Jets, the Washington football team. Um, and, and then finishing out with the Rams and then obviously the 49ers is, is obviously a tough game. But, it, yeah, it very much seems like a season of two halves. And if you can come through the first half, even... I know Seahawks would aim for better than this because they're a good team, but even if you came out four and four, I wouldn't consider it really that bad. Um, no, I, I predict we'll kind of go the same sort of trajectory as last season. Um, I'm going for like 11 and five, maybe um, 12 and four. Sure. Um, but yeah, the, the first, this is the thing with the Seahawks. We always get a really, really tough like first first like few weeks and everyone's like oh dear lord like we need to get some wins under our belt or it's just yeah. going to be carnage but i think they can take the game to any team like we've seen that last year like i didn't think we had a ma there wasn't a game where i thought holy crap like that was a terrible game and we got absolutely annihilated like it with russell wilson in the fourth quarter and all bets are off that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah no no you're, you're you're absolutely right i mean the, the seahawks just I was speaking to someone because I was doing um, a Cardinals deep dive and an LA Rams one, so we, we talked about the Seahawks. And both of those guys said it's just the, the Seahawks obviously have a lot of talent. We know that. They're very well coached and things like that. So we, we know they're going to be good, but they just seem to have this ability to just grind out wins. And, mm -hmm. and just even against really good teams, they just seem to you know, get through at the end. And, and a lot of that, I don't know, is it the Russell Wilson factor for you? Is that the difference why you grind out those wins? I mean yeah, but then I just feel like the team is like a unit are very like they're very together. Like it's like it's like Seattle in the, as a city, everyone there supports the Seahawks. So if you play for the Seahawks, you breathe the Seahawks. Like it's just kind of like this culture they have. And I just feel like it's all like to do with them being they they want to they want to fight for one another. They want to play for one another and and they're all vastly disappointed if they lose. So it's like they want to see everyone happy and succeed and do well so that's why they just grind together and get this win i think um just moving on to your um division rivals and then we'll talk about the standings and where we think teams might be with their their, their win totals for this year um looking at the 49ers um obviously they look like they've got a really good roster again um you know they've lost a couple of pieces but added pieces so it seems like it's going to be the same sort of standard um they're very well coached. We John Lynch seems to be in a, doing a great job as the GM, and you know that might continue long term. The the one thing that seems to be a bit up in the air is their quarterback situation, and um, whether Jimmy G can really push himself into the maybe not the elite category of quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, but you know in, in that kind of higher tier, 
or whether he's always going to be someone who is a little bit of a system guy, a little he needs a little bit of coaching, he needs some good players around him. Um, what do you make of the 49ers going into this year? Do you think they're favourites for the division again, or do you think Seattle could pit them to the post? I think it's between the two. I think it will come down again to like like last season. It basically came down to the the final game of the season, which was 49ers Seahawks. Um, so it'll be really close. I think yeah, they've lost some players of free agency, but at the same time, I think they've drafted well. I think they've brought in new players that will can, can be built around Jimmy G. It's it's a weird one because before he had his injury, not last season, but the season before. I was really into the Jimmy G hype. And then obviously he played the full season last year and you're kind of like, well, he's also the same reason that they could lose a game. So um, it's quite interesting, but I think, yeah, they'll be there or thereabouts. They, 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 they're going to be consistent enough that they'll, they'll be the, they'll be fighting for the division title. Yeah. I, I just worry is, is that they just sort of had to babysit him a little bit for those, those last sort of four or five games. But I mean, he's Absolutely. Still, got talent so as you say it'll be it'll be interesting moving forward and I, I noticed that they've conveniently scheduled 49ers Seahawks for the last game this year as well yeah exactly it's funny how that works out <laughs> in their random process um what about the Cardinals because obviously um they've had a lot of hype you know the the bandwagons going um in this offseason and I mean you know for, for good reasons also Kyler Murray's very exciting they got DeAndre Hopkins that this is an exciting team um do you think, like a lot of bandwagons, it's a year early, and and actually next year will be the year they're successful? Or do you think they could threaten this year? Well, the thing is, is I hope they don't go the, the same way as the Browns did when you know the Browns had that massive hype train charging towards Cleveland, and then it was a complete slump. I don't think they're going to be like that. I do think they're going to get some good wins under their belt. I just don't think they're there quite yet I feel like you know they still have a young quarterback they still have a very young coach like he's only been in the NFL um one season and his record in college isn't all that like glamorous um and um so I think they still need another season I think before they can really challenge the Niners and the Seahawks for the division title I personally think they might beat the Rams and they might finish third rather than fourth this year um but we'll just have to wait and see yeah, absolutely. And I think you make a great point about the coach as well as the players. Like you said, there are holes on the team. I think their defence is still, it seems to be a elite player or someone not very good. They don't seem to have yeah. that that overall team like Seattle has where everyone's a good player. You've got elite players, but everyone's a good player. And I think, but you make a great point about the coach. I mean, you just got to look at Sean McVay in the same division. Came in, really hot hand. He's got this offence. It's amazing. And a couple of years later, people figured it out. People coach mm-hmm. their players up and all of a sudden they've they've kind of had a, a poor couple of years now it's not all down to that of course but it, I think that was just a really good point you brought up that you know Cliff Kingsbury might be found out this year and then all of a sudden you've got a talented team but maybe you've got to swap coach and that means you've got to yeah. play like you say it's a it, it's a really interesting situation uh, finally speaking of Ali who, who like you said are sort of in the running with the Cardinals who's going to be third who's going to be fourth um what do you make as, as a fan of a team in the division of the, the Todd Gurley saga in, in LA and just how it all I know no one really knows what happened and I guess nobody probably will till someone writes a book you know one day someone will write a book about it and then we might find out what actually happened but um, what did you make of the, the whole thing um 
it was just a bit all a bit strange because like the guy is clearly one of your best players on your offense. Like um I know he had a few injuries. Um and now obviously he's gone, he's gone to the Falcons. So I, I just don't know. It just all seemed a bit strange. Like but then a lot of a lot of things happen like that in this division. Like, you know, you have players that want to get a new contract and then it doesn't pan out that way and then they end up signing for a rival or like you know surely going to 49ers which I'm still not over um and yeah it's just it, it's just football you're never going to get to the end of it and, now, and then as a fan you're just kind of like I don't really understand what went wrong yeah well that's it I mean and that's so mysterious like you know you, you talk like you said there was injuries but he seemed to be running okay and he went on a pitch count but then he went on a really extreme pitch count like 10 touches it just like you say it was really bizarre and and as you say there aren't really any fairy tale endings there's the odd one but we couldn't even have a fairy tale ending in new england with our 20-year greatest all-time quarterback you know the one person you thought would have a fairy tale ending even he's gone to tampa bay so you, like you say they don't really exist it seems in, in the nfl um looking at um some division predictions we'll, we'll focus on the nfc west first but then i'd like to get your thoughts on the other nfc divisions um how do you have the, the standings? How do you think it's going to shake out? Mm. Uh, so I definitely think Rams will finish fourth. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I've said this for a while, and I was definitely the only one on that bandwagon. I said that if they don't win a Super Bowl before Goff's new contract, they're not going to. Um, and they're going to have to release all those players that they built around him because the deal he got was if extortionate for the player that Jared Goff is, I'm not a massive fan. Um, I'm getting <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Well, he's okay, but he's just not good enough on his own, like to have that such a big contract. And because he got that big contract, you're now seeing exceptionally high contracts going elsewhere for quarterbacks. And it is continued. And now you have the huge Patrick Mahomes one. So it's all going to keep going up and up and up. Um, I think Cardinals will finish third. I think they'll pip the Rams. And I'm going to say Seahawks are going to take the tight, the division title and the Niners are going to go second. Uh, uh, that's not going to happen. That's not the way it's going to happen, but that's what, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> well, I, you never know. Seattle can certainly, uh, can certainly run with them. And, and I think you, you made a, a great great point on Jared Goff because, uh, and, uh, you know, fair play to you for being so far ahead on that. I, I think it is a great point, though, because it's a, it's a point of comparison to the Niners in a good way and a bad way to the Niners. The bad way is, is Jimmy Garoppolo Jared Goff or is he better than that? And that's kind of the question they're, they're facing now. Is he Jared Goff, a good quarterback who can win a Super Bowl and he in the right system, he can be very good, but he's not an elevator. He doesn't make everyone no. better. But also the good thing for the 49ers is they haven't got him on a contract like Jared Goff's. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's on like 27, 28 million a year, which is, I mean... Now with the Mahomes contract is is pennies, yeah. Know, and so I, I think you know perhaps that just reflects really well on you know John Lynch and and his dealing with, with that. Um, so I've got quite a similar um, lineup. Um, I've got the Rams in fourth. I've still got them going seven and nine. I still think they've got too much talent to have a terrible year. But I think the Cardinals, like you say, jump them. I've got them at eight and eight, just a year early on the bandwagon. If they can have another off season like this season, yeah season then they could be 10 11 win team you know potentially uh i've got seattle they are second and, and i got the 49ers first and it, it's actually a mirror of last year i've got the 49ers 12 and 4 again and seattle 11 and 5 again i think uh, yeah it's just a bit too much time perhaps on the 49ers team but 
I would have no problem seeing Seattle jump them like I'd have no problem seeing the Rams jump the Cardinals. It's, uh, yeah. it's That's why it's such a good division, isn't it? it? Oh, I think I've been saying, well, since, you know, it's such a toxic-turvy division, and I've always said that, like, we had, you know, the 49ers winning it so much, and then, then it was Seattle, and then the Cardinals won it that year when um, Carson Palmer was their quarterback, and then it was the Rams, and I was back to 49ers. It just always switches. Like, so it's just such an incredible division to follow. I mean, it's not so fun if you're a fan of that team, because obviously, like, you want your team in the playoffs, but it's at the same time, it's still very exciting. It's great as well, because it's got so much talent. It's not like it's a terrible division, and no one can win, because they're all rubbish. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Um just to get your thoughts quickly um, before we start to wrap up um, the episode on the other NFC divisions, um, do you think starting in the north, do you think the Packers will retain their crown, or do you think they've lost, they they sort of uh, lost ground on the other teams around them? So when I was watching the draft, I was so surprised at the the Packers' draft picks. Like they just don't want to help. Aaron Rodgers like at all it seems like and then they and then they take in a quarterback uh I I was just really confused um I still see them winning the division I think the Vikings can maybe maybe give them a little bit of a run for their money this year but I think the Bears and the Lions are still still working their stuff out that they won't they won't challenge too much yeah um I, I see it shaking out very very similar to you I think I think Aaron Rodgers is still too much for the Vikings. I think people yeah. forget all the veteran defenders the Vikings lost this year. Um, they forget that Stefanski's gone, so their offensive coordinator's gone. There's just a lot of churn in Minnesota. And I, I think Minnesota are going to be good in the next few years because they bought in so many rookies. Like yeah, definitely. So the next couple of years, perhaps when Aaron Rodgers is gone, Minnesota starts to dominate. But I think Aaron Rodgers is just too much still for that, for that division. I, I think he's going to play angry this year. I think he's going to put... <laughs> And Packers in an awkward. I'd like to get your take on this. I think he's going to put the Packers in an awkward situation because I think he's going to play really, really well with nothing around him, and then he's going to say, "Right, your move, Packers, because you picked this guy, but I've yeah, proven just, there was no point picking him, so your move, sort of thing." I feel like it's like they've gone because obviously a couple of years ago they got rid of Mick McCarthy, and I feel like they've thought to themselves, "Actually, I think we picked the wrong man. We probably should have kept Mick and got rid of Aaron because obviously Aaron and Mick weren't getting on." And then they've gone, "Okay, so let's draft a quarterback." And then it's like that's the worst player to do it to. Yeah. So he's just going to play with a massive chip on his shoulder now. And I was also quite surprised because I feel like Jordan Love could have started, could be a starting quarterback somewhere. Um, so yeah, it was. I was so and they moved up to select him as well. Oh, it was so confusing. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> And they're actually a tiny bit lucky because um, the Eagles obviously picked a quarterback which took like a tiny bit, only a tiny bit, but a tiny bit of the heat off, as has the lack of training camp. Obviously, that's starting now, but that should have started a month ago. And we'd have had the last month of daily reports to Green Bay with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers standing next to each other. And um, it would have been just terrible. And they can't get out of the contract for like two years as well. Um, so that's the other thing. You know, I think in two years there's a year where he would be something like 25 million dead cap, which is, which is a hell of a lot, but with Jordan Love's gone with deal, kind of, kind of do that and, and get rid of him, maybe trade, obviously trade him someone, but um, yeah, this is going to be really awkward, but um, like I said, I still, still pick them uh, for the division. Um, moving on to the NFC East, um, I like the NFC West, another division that seems to change the winner every year. 
Um, who do you see coming out on top there? Um, this division is so confusing because I swear last year none of them wanted to win it. <laughs> like, no, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, but I do think the Cowboys drafted really well. I, I think like Jerry Jones was just licking his lips when um, those picks came in for him. Like they did, they did a really good draft. Obviously, they still have the situation of Dak Prescott and do they pay him? Um, I think they've paid Ezekiel Elliott now and um, Amari Cooper. So I think they will just pick the Eagles, but I think it'll be Cowboys Eagles. And then I think Giants Washington are still in this sort of um, transition period. Obviously, they've both got new coaches in, um, but I don't quite think they're quite there yet to challenge for the division title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to swap Philadelphia and Dallas, but apart from that, completely agree. It'll be them two going going for the championship and the, the Giants in Washington trying to rebuild. And I, I, I feel sorry, you know, for Washington fans because it just seems to be one controversy after another. And I hope that the name change and the, the kit change, if they change their kit, obviously they might leave it reasonably similar, but the emblem change will be, and the wrong Rivera era will be the start of some stability for them because obviously they got rid of Darius Geis um, after the stories came out about him and they got rid of him immediately, which felt right. It felt good. Mm-hmm. They just kind of went right, cut ties. That's it. You know, we're not going to make excuses for people anymore. He sort of sets a precedent um, at the club that that kind of thing isn't going to be tolerated anymore. But as long as Dan Snyder's owner, um, it's kind of hard to get rid of that um, sort of look, I guess. I think, um, I think Ron Rivera is a great play for Washington. I heard when he came in, there used to be a foosball table in the, in the changing rooms and he got rid of that immediately. And he was like, the changing room is where we think games. We think we're thinking about who we're playing against. We're not thinking about chilling out and (laughs) playing a foosball table. So, and he's such a nice guy. And I was so sad that when he left the Panthers, so I'm happy to see him back. And I think eventually they will rebuild their team down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it was it was a great hire and um, one that hopefully will work out for them. Because, like I say, another fan base that deserves some deserves some uh, success. Um, uh, lastly, in the NFC, obviously we've got the NFC South, which is like the West, an incredibly exciting division, but for all the right reasons, um, just loads of talent. Um, three teams that could potentially win the division here. You know, the Falcons are definitely outsiders. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, yeah. Who do you think out of uh, Tampa Bay and uh, the Saints will, will will come out on top? I still think it'll be the Saints. Yeah. I know you're a Patriots fan, and it's all about Tampa Bay, <laughs> which is already annoying me, by the way. <laughs> um, but this this is not you know he's walking into the NFC now. He's been in the AFC for a long time, which is I believe not as so hard as the NFC division uh, divisions. Um, I think he might get a wee bit of a shock, but you know, this uh, to me, this could be this could be Drew Brees' last year um, before he sails off into the sunset. And I feel like he's very much got unfinished business after they lost to that uh, championship game to the Rams a couple of years ago. They also didn't do well in the playoffs last last season. Um, so yeah, it's I can see them definitely walking off of the division title. Uh, and then the Bucks second. And, but then the Panthers as well. I think, you know, they've interestingly got rid of Cam. So that will be very interesting to see how that all pans out with uh, the quarterback. You know, they've, they've gone for... Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, who was Drew Brees' number two. Um, and obviously that 
went really well last year when he got to play when um, when Breeze was out injured. So it'll be really interesting to see how Teddy does as a number one spot, obviously in a different, completely different system and new team. But yeah, I still, to me, it'll be the between the Saints and the Bucks challenging it for the title. But I think Saints will take it. Yeah, I think I think the Saints as well for a couple of reasons. I think their roster is better rounded than the Bucks. The Bucks might have more yeah. stars, but I think they've got a better rounded roster. I think, as you said, in in a coronavirus shortened off season, I think the Saints have got more continuity. Obviously, Tom Brady's got to come in, and he said himself that you know he's he's having to work really hard to learn all the verbiage and learn the offense. Um, he's got to get um, obviously um, reps with his receivers, things like that. Whereas um, Drew Brees has, has got all of that already. He, he's got everything down. And I think you're right that there's a lot of impetus for the Saints. You know, it probably is Drew Brees' last year. That seems to be the, the common um, scenario. And also, it kind of needs to be, because I, I read a thing the other day, that without the cap going down, and obviously it's very likely to, they, they're going to have something like 38 million over the cap. Um, and so if it goes down, they're going to be like 58 million over the cap. And I think obviously Drew Brees' money is a lot of that. So I, I, it's going to be, a, I know you can always manipulate the cap, rework contracts, but I just think it's going to be incredibly hard to keep him next year anyway. So I think it, it really feels like his last hurrah. And, and as you say, they've, they've fallen, unfortunately, really short. Obviously, they had the Rams game that you, you pointed out, but also the Minnesota Miracle with Stefan Diggs running down the sideline, you know, they, they've been so close and it feels like it could be their year to get over that hump, hopefully. But we'll see. Um, yeah, it should be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny that you talk about um, uh, Tom Brady annoyance. Um, it's kind of all becoming about him. And it's quite funny you say that because I, I'm facing this for the first time in my life that um, I actually don't want to hear about him all the time. Yeah, no, that, no, you're right. That's it. I, I mean, I, I, I have no bitterness at all. I wish him all the success. Obviously, he's done uh, more than any human being could possibly do, apart from potentially Bill Belichick for the Patriots organization. But there is that type of, there is that bar of you that's like, but you know, we don't want to be reminded all the time that he's gone. I, I've, I've squared it now. My, my mind has moved on. Yeah. To tell me. Yeah. It's, it's sad, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, he's gone, and now he's a Tampa Bay. You're like, oh, please stop calling it Tampa Bay. It's just so annoying. That, that is incredible. That, that is the one thing that I, I, I'm just not having. Everything else is fine, but um, Tampa Bay is probably the worst thing that anyone's ever come up with. But <laughs> so, um, Obviously, um, sort of uh, one thing that we, we've got to talk about as well is, is, is some of the, the big movers and shakers around the NFL just to round out the podcast. Um, is there anyone that you think um, is particularly uh, moved to a great situation? I mean, it could be Tom Brady, it could be Cam Newton. You know, obviously there's a lot of players that have moved around. Is there anyone that you think's moved to a particularly great situation for them? Um, yeah, I think Cam Newton is going to play with a massive chip on his shoulder. That guy is so talented, and I, I don't understand how it took so long for him to get a team. Yeah, yeah he had a few injuries, but... It wasn't as bad as you know people were making out. Andy Dalton got a team before him. He went to the Cowboys. And I was just like, what is going on here? Like, why is nobody picking up Cam? Like, I'm so confused. Um, I think he's taken that deal, which obviously Richard Sherman didn't agree with. He said that no other huge star would take that contract. But Cam has taken that deal because, like you said, he's betting on himself. He's going to be like, I can still play. I can still um, challenge. I can get a team to a playoff, I can get a team to a Super Bowl. I'm betting on myself. And I think I read a stat that out of 
all 32 starting quarterbacks this season, only one quarterback has managed to beat Bill Belichick. Like, he's unbeaten against him, and that is Cam Newton. Yeah, absolutely. I have bad memories of Cam Newton in Carolina, because like you said, he's one of the people who's got the better of us over the years. And um, it's going to be incredibly exciting having him here. Uh, you referenced Andy Dalton getting signed for him. I mean, that would have been the greatest storyline of all time if Cam Newton had gone to Dallas and he was just sitting there behind Dak Prescott. It would have been literally incredible. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that didn't materialise. Um, I think I, I think Cam Newton's going to be really interesting in New England. I, I still think yeah. the Bills have got the edge. They've still got the barrel all around team. But it's, it's, it's a little bit the flip of Tampa Bay and the Saints in the sense that the Bills have got the better all-around team, but we've got some superstars and, and yeah. a better coach. And it's kind of like, do, does the few really high-level people overcome the, the better team? Because they, they certainly are the better team. And especially adding someone like Stefan Diggs, I thought was a huge signing for them. Because the problem was last year is all our secondary just sat on their routes because there was no one to go deep. And that's why Allen got picked off against us a few times. Whereas I think now with Stefan Diggs getting behind you, I think it's going to be really hard to stop that that offense. And um, Josh Allen could have a really good year. I think he's going to really benefit from that. Um, one one uh, a final question for you um, before I let you go. Um, obviously, the coronavirus has been a, a big thing throughout the offseason and it, it's cut the offseason short. It's meant that there's going to be loads less reps, um, loads less interaction with the players. Um, do you think, obviously, the first couple of weeks in the NFL is generally a bit sloppy because teams, are, you know, there's new players and they aren't used to the contact and things like that. Do you think we'll see an elongated version of that because of the coronavirus? Or do you think it will kind of just be those first two weeks still where everyone gets up to speed? It, it could possibly t- may take a bit longer because obviously if you're if you're a team that's drafted in a lot of new guys from college and you're having to get them used to this whole new system, so new coaching techniques and whatever, um, it can take a while. And obviously you've not had rookie camps. You've not had um, like training camps. It's going to be a lot shorter. Um, So yeah, I think it could potentially be slightly longer. I I think the best experience you're going to get is playing in a real game anyway. Um, So I think uh, they will learn a lot, a lot. Maybe they might learn a lot quicker, but I think some might struggle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think it's a team like Minnesota who's got so many rookies and, and a good amount of them are going to start. I reckon at least four or five of those 14 rookies are going to start. So it's, or at least be in consistent rotation. So like you said, it's going to have a big effect. And it's, it's why teams like the Saints, I think, are still going to roll because I don't think they're going to rely on their rookies. Like you said, they've kind of gone all in this year. And they've got a very veteran team, so I think I think they'll be fine. But it'll be really interesting, um, you know, from the Patriots' point of view. We've had six players opt out. Interesting. Um, obviously, rookies are going to have to play instead of them, or at least young players. So that's going to be really mm-hmm. interesting. So yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, we're going to start wrapping up the episode there. Um, massive thanks, obviously, to Ashona for coming on and and talking about the Seahawks and um, giving us your insight into the team. Obviously, I know. You, follow them really closely um can you just talk to people before we sort of wrap up about where they can um follow you and and hear you you talking about different things obviously i know you've got um your you know journalism um with with uh, in aberdeen um with the original 106 and then obviously you've got the podcast you're part of you do some writing uh, for 99 yards so can you talk a little bit about where people can follow your work yeah so um 
Gridiron and Wine, we post our podcasts on Speaker. Uh, speaker, I think that's how you say it. Um, and um, 99 Yards also has a podcast as well. So we've been doing a, a like pre-season sort of like roundup of how we think the teams will fare going through each division. That's also on Speaker, uh, 99 Yards website that can be found on um, a link on Twitter from the 99 Yards account. And yeah, that's basically where you can see all my work. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much. Go and check it out, everyone. Um, uh, it's been great having you on today, obviously, and a great conversation. We've got more deep dives coming the rest of this week. Um, we've got a season preview as well, which I'll, I'll talk about in some later episodes. We've got the Rams, the Dolphins and the Colts all from last week on the website if you want to go and check them out. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you all soon on the next episode. <laughs>